Acts 2, 42, 47, we're going to read these verses here in a minute. And this is, uh, this is our continued vision, what we have to continue to strive for. We're going to start in 42. It says, and they continued, many of us heard this many times, steadfastly. And that means continuing. Steadfastly means always. Amen? Regardless of what's going on. In the apostles' doctrine, that's the word of God, the teachings, and fellowship. In the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing, that's a key word there, continuing daily, not once a week, not once a month, not every once in a while, continuing daily with one accord, In the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Father, we ask you tonight to speak to us on this midweek service, God. We thank you, Father, for getting us here safely, protecting us, and keeping us tonight. We pray tonight for any and all that are sick or struggling with things, going through situations, uh, battling the enemy, and uh, sometimes even listening to the enemy. Father, we pray that you'd break every chain. We pray that you'd open up our minds and our spirits to receive your word, Lord, that we would leave different tonight. We would leave challenged. We would leave comforted. And God, your word would speak and bring forth fruit in our lives. We ask these things in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, we're going to talk about the value of a group. The value of a group. I want to look at one more verse before I give you some some different things that are beneficial to being part of a group. You know, in our fellowship, I think a lot of times we can take for granted what we have. We cannot really realize how blessed we are to be a part of something that is worldwide. And uh, I want to go over some of those things tonight and and remind you how uh, special it is and how much favor we have to be able to have those things. Now, we have to do our part, amen, as believers. We have to understand that I'm a part of the chain in everything that goes on in the kingdom of God. And and so we have a a job to do, amen. Jesus did his job already. We have to do our job. So I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. And this is kind of something that we can keep in front of us uh, that's very important. It says, honor all people. Amen? Honor all people. Now, how many know sometimes people aren't worth honoring? Right? Is everybody you know worth honoring? But he didn't ask if they're worth honoring. He didn't say honor people who are worthy of honor. He said honor all people. And so there's a respect there, right? It says love the brotherhood. That's another word for that is the family of God, the family of the church family. Love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. And so that's something that we should keep in front of us tonight as a church. You know, we are small here tonight compared to many churches around the world. Uh, What we do can be considered small in in, in our eyes sometimes, but I want to give you a quote to remind you of something powerful. It says, never underestimate the power of a small group of committed people to change the world. Okay, never underestimate the power of a small group of people committed to change the world. How many know commitment is something we have to have? Right? Jesus committed to us, and we have to commit to him. But he says, think about this, because it says, in fact, it's the only thing that ever has. 
A small group of people is the only thing that ever changed the world. We're here tonight, I tell you this all the time, we're here tonight because a small group of people changed the world. And they were committed to go all the way until they saw things through, until they saw things happen, until Jesus' name was proclaimed in every part of the world. And that's why the gospel's here tonight. And I'm always telling you guys, we cannot allow the gospel to stop with us. The gospel has to continue. We can't drop the ball. We can't drop the flame. We can't let it go. We have to continue to do what they did before us to get us to this place. Amen? Listen, our anointing tonight, how many want the anointing of God? Is connected to other people. And so when I'm, not, when I'm not walking in the anointing that God has for me, a lot of times that can have to do with other people around me. I can let the anointing be affected by other people. And we have to have a, a decisiveness in our hearts and our spirits tonight to say, I, I'm going to serve God no matter if anybody else does or not. Right? I'm, I'm important. I'm small, but I'm important in the kingdom of God. Now let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to look at four or five verses here. Now, there's a whole chapter here on the unity and the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 14 to 19. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Amen. How many know our body is many? Our church has many members. Our church has many people. Our, Our church has many parts, but we're all one. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? What he's trying to say here is we're, we're in the body whether we want to be or not. When you accept Christ, you can't be saved and be saved, uh, be saved and serve God and say, oh, I don't want to hang out with, with church folks. Or I've got other things i got to do more important. You, you don't have a choice. You're part of the body. And you can't leave your eyes at home tonight. You can't leave your ears at home tonight. You can't have your body going somewhere and doing something and part of your, just sit part of your body home and say, oh, I'm not going to take that part tonight. Or I'm not that important. We're all one. It says we're all one body. Even if we feel like we're not important, even if we feel like it's not a big deal, I'm, I'm part of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye... Where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God, say God, has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? How interesting would it be tonight if we were just an eye? How interesting would it be tonight if we were just a hand, just a foot? would be weird, but we're not. We're a body, and every single one of us has a part. Sometimes we may feel like our part is not as important as others, but we are part of the body, amen? And again, you cannot disconnect yourself from the body. It's not that God didn't give us that option. We're all part of the body, and so when you accept Christ and you say, I'm, I'm on Jesus' team, then you are important, whether you're a visible part of the body or not. Obviously, when you look at somebody, the first thing we look at is the face. You recognize the face. The face is the most important. You might say the face, face is the most important part of the body. The head, the mind, the eyes, the ears. This is an important part. But the spleen and the liver and the heart and the kidneys and stuff that aren't seen are very important. Every part of the body is important. Can you imagine coming to church tonight and saying, liver, I don't need you. Stay home. 
Amen. Or the liver saying, the body's going to go to church, and the liver saying, hey, you go on without me. I'm going to stay home. That doesn't work. Amen. It's, it's all one body. It's all one part, and it has to work together. So I want to give you some benefits tonight if you'll write some of these things down and, and uh, ponder this. And, 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 and this would be a good message to go back on and look on. When you feel like maybe you're not a part of something important or, or maybe you're not important, here's some benefits. And when I say of a group, how many know that we know we're first and foremost a part of the body of Christ, which is the worldwide church, which is anybody who believes in the, the true doctrine of Jesus Christ. There's many denominations and all those things. We know we're a part of that body, but inside of that, we're part of the fellowship, Victory World Outreach, and everything that we're doing around the world. And so we have a certain function. Now, the pastor that was here Sunday morning was a Marine, but that's not the only armed force. There's, there's Army, there's Navy, there's Air Force, there's the Reserves. All those are important, and they can't exist without each other, but they don't function the same way. Army doesn't function the same way the Marines do. Air Force doesn't do the same things or go the same places that the Air Force does. And so in our fellowship, we have a vision that's of the Bible and of, the, of, the, of the, uh, the vision of the Lord, but we have a certain way we function. And so when I say these benefits of a group or a fellowship or a brotherhood, I'm talking about our particular fellowship. One, the first one is when we're part of a group, it helps us to stay on track. Stay on track. How many need to stay on track? Amen. You need someone to help you stay the course and stay with vision and stay looking ahead at the right thing and not get off the course. That's why church attendance is so important. That's why Wednesday nights are so important because if you've done this before, you'll realize that you miss a few services. You start to realize you get cold real fast. And it gets real easy to make an excuse that I can miss again or I don't need to be there or, or I, I've got better things to do. And it's easy to get off track. And inside of that track, it's easy to forget what's, what we believe. You can start getting around other people uh, that are not like-minded, and you can get around people who might claim to know God or love God, but they don't have the same beliefs, the core values of the Bible, and you can begin to get around people who can tell you it's okay to do what you want to do. Amen. It's an easy thing to do. These are things, areas uh, where, so for example, our fellowship has been around for 40 years, and I've been part of it for 20 and what we preach today in 2019 has not changed since 2000 when I started with this fellowship. We're not preaching anything different. We're preaching the same thing. I thank God for that. Consistency. When you're staying on track, you're staying consistent. And consistency helps you avoid pitfalls. Okay, consistency is continually doing over and over the right thing, and when you do that over and over again, then you go, it's, it's almost like when you, when you drive the certain way that you go to, to, to work. You have a way you go to work, and obviously every once in a while there can be a detour, you can get taken off that path, but you know how you get to work, and you begin to know the roads, you begin to know the streets, you begin to know the areas where, where there's going to be police or there's going to be a, uh, the lights, so you're gonna, you get to be familiar with it. That consistency in our walk with God of doing the same thing over and over again gives us that way to avoid pitfalls. Amen. It helps us to stay on 
track, you know, keeping certain things. There's certain things that we will not compromise on in this fellowship, especially when it comes to doctrinal things. We're not going to trade those things. We're not going to stop preaching about miracles. We're not going to stop believing for healings. We're not going to stop believing that, that, that we need to reach the lost. We're not going to stop preaching that Jesus is coming again. Those are, we're not going to stop preaching that, that the blood of Jesus is what saves us, and it's only in Jesus Christ is there salvation. Those are things we are not going to change. And as a church body, we have to stay on those things. So, so one of, that's one of the benefits. Now, sometimes, how many know when you do something over and over for a long time, sometimes it can get monotonous. It can get, it can get too familiar sometimes. And you have to be careful with that. You have to watch that. You have to guard that and shield that, that there's not that, that uh, uh, monotonous spirit that comes along that says, ah, I've done this before, because that's where the pitfall is. That's where the area that you fall in is. The second thing is when you're part of a group, when you're part of a value, valuing a group, a fellowship, you are uh, receiving a huge increase of your potential. A huge increase of your potential. Many of you might not realize it, but you're able to do things tonight in this place as a church that you never would have been able to do before. Ever. Because you're part of a body of Christ. Because you're part of a family and a group. If you think, Let me give you an example. Here we have today um, Pastor Dylan in Tanzania in Arusha tonight. Without this group, he would have never, ever been able to go be a missionary. He would have never. Now, he, he, he's an engineer. It's not like he's, you know, not, not doing anything in his career. But he would have never had the opportunity to reach a nation if it wasn't for this group. And so think of Pastor Safari. Pastor Safari is overseeing at this moment all the churches in Kenya. He pastors a church of over 500 people. He comes from a very small town outside of Naivasha. Do you think he grew up thinking he was going to head a church and oversee nine churches? It, when you're a part of a group, it increases your potential to do things for God. It increases your opportunities to, I mean, how, how many of you ever thought you'd be able to say, hey, we, we, we have churches in Africa. We have churches, and you know, I was showing a video to my father-in-law this week of Pastor Paul is in Czech Republic for, the, for our conferences for this, this year in Czech Republic, which we help finance. We, here in Denton, Texas, help finance that. Could you have ever thought that you would be giving money towards something that would provide a conference in a country you'll probably never go to? That's a potential. This is that your, your potential to reach the world has increased because you're part of this group. And I was showing him that video, and he got excited, and I showed him one in Slovakia of the church full of people there in Slovakia. That's a potential that's increased because you're part of a group. Amen? Number three, this is a powerful one. We have allies. How many like allies? When we are attacked. When you're in a group... You have people around you that protect you. And it's like I always use that picture in my mind of the, of the lion that's attacking animals. He's going after animals. And, and, and those, those lions are going to attack who? The one animal that goes off on his own. As long as those, and I've been, I've been on a safari. I've seen it with my own eyes. Those animals that stay in groups and stay together don't die. 
Because the lion cannot attack a group no matter how weak that group is. But the one, ta- the one day, the one moment, the one night, the one situation where that animal shoots off on its own and says, I don't need the group tonight, that's the night the, the animal dies. And that's why we have to be careful. That's why we have to stay together as a group. We have to understand that when I'm struggling with something, I can reach out to people. I can ask other people to pray for me. I can say, hey, help me through this situation. And I can have allies that will stand by my side and get behind me and help me when when I'm attacked. Number four, another humongous benefit of our group or our fellowships is conferences. Conferences where we can get together like we had our rally back in March and in October. We're going to have a conference. I challenge every one of you to get off work and make time and, and do, what, do what's possible to get there, especially if you've never been. And if you've been, don't say, well, I've already been. Say, i got to go to this one too because God's going to do something for me this year. And if you've never been and you've got fought every year, fight again. And make sure you get there because God will speak something into you that you've never had spoken to you before. So we have conferences. My daughters were blessed to be raised in this fellowship, and most of their friends are in this fellowship, and and they've met them at the conferences. Going all the way back to when we were in Costa Rica, they made friendships. One friendship I'm not too crazy about that that my daughter made. Amen. That one's still working on me. Amen. Right? (laughs) I couldn't resist that one. I I didn't have it planned. But then you can find someone in the fellowship, and you can eventually get married to them. Parker's dating somebody that's in our fellowship. A lot of our kids in our home church are marrying their friends that they grew up with. It's an amazing blessing. Conferences, connecting your children to other groups. Number five, big one, accountability. When you're part of a group, you have accountability. Now let me just tell you something in case you don't know it. You need accountability. We need accountability, but we don't always like accountability. We don't always like to be told, you know, things that we need to hear or counsel, but we need it. And the value of accountability is priceless. You can't put a price on it. When, when someone says, hey, we missed you. Hey, where have you been? Hey, is everything okay? When someone says that, you, you're in your flesh, you might get mad. But in your spirit, you should say, man, that's priceless that someone actually cares. Someone actually reached out to me and told me, hey, I noticed you weren't there. That should be something that should be of value to us. Amen. I think all the way back to, to, this, to the testimony of Chris and Laura where they, they hated when I used to text them and say, hey, where you were? We missed you Sunday morning. Amen. We, we wish you would have been there. You missed out. And it, was, it got on their nerves at first. But thank God, look now. That accountability is priceless, amen? Number six, friendships. Friendships. And even stronger than friendships, really family. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I have no doubt in this place that many and most of you would say, I have stronger friendships and family relationships in the church than I do with my own family. Amen. How many are thankful for the value of a group that gives you friends? I was, I, was, uh, I was noticing at the, at the quinceanera from Jocelyn, we were sitting on one side, and I went over and told some of the people on the other side, I said, man, tonight we saved a lot of money on alcohol. 
I was looking at that other side, and all the all the people who would have been at a at a at that quinceanera that wasn't part of this group, there'd have been a whole bunch of alcohol drank that night, whole bunch of drugs taken, a whole bunch of craziness going on. Amen. Look at look what the value of a group did to go into a quinceanera and it be totally Christian with no alcohol, and all the music was was picked by Jocelyn. It was Christian music. That's what a value of a group can do. It can change the 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 atmosphere of a place. And all the lives, like all the people on that side of the family that are part of this group of our church, were not acting like they would have been acting five years ago. That's priceless. Friendships, strong relationships. Amen? Strong relationships where, where you have that, that confidence in somebody, where you can be accountable to them and they can be accountable to you. You can say, speak truth into my life. Tell me what I need to hear and not what I want to hear. Amen. Number seven, last one, fellowship and camaraderie. I mean, no, that's a powerful thing, camaraderie. That's a, that's a, I should have got the definition of that, but I believe most of you know what that is. It, I, it, I have never ceased over 20 years now to be thankful for the camaraderie that I have just talked to Pastor Marshall today. We spent about 15 minutes on the phone just talking about his church and our church. And he was telling me about his garden. And just having that friendship and that camaraderie with another pastor is, is priceless. Amen? It's something you cannot put a price on. Let's look at Romans 12, verse 10. I'm going to give you two more verses. Romans 12, verse 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor giving preference to one another. Now, I want to give you a few. I gave you some benefits, but how many know those benefits don't come without responsibilities? Now, here's some responsibilities, some things that all of us have it to be responsible for. Number one, I'm going to give you four things. Number one, we have to be responsible in being accepting to other people, accepting other people, accepting who they are, accepting um, what they bring to the table, accepting sometimes their, their shortcomings, accepting their, their failures, accepting um, their attitudes. Sometimes we have to be accepting of those things. Amen? That's what Romans 12.10 is saying. We being kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. That brotherhood allows us, how many are thankful that when you came into this place, you were accepted as you were? Now, there's a big difference between God leaving you like you were, but we accept anybody in this place, and we accept you just as you are, just as God accepts us, then he's going to work on us. He's going to line us up with his word. But when you came in, you were not where you are now. And, and, and we accepted you, and you accepted us, and we accepted each other, and that's a responsibility. That we make everybody feel welcome, we make everybody feel loved, so that they can get to the place where God can change them. Because if they feel judged as soon as they come in, if they feel uh, uh, looked down on upon, if they, look, if they feel some kind of spirit from us, then they're not going to ever get to the place where they'll be able to be changed. Number two, a responsibility of brotherhood is honesty. I mean, we need to be honest. We need to say things honestly and not and not lie. Tell the truth. Amen. Be open. Be honest. Honesty is always the best policy. Say, say what you need to say. 
Now, I'm not, just, I'm not saying that in a mean way, but be honest. Amen? Honesty is the best policy always. Whenever someone ever asks me, what should I do in this situation? I always tell them, be honest. Because that's the best policy. Amen? Honesty is very important. Number three, commitment. A responsibility of brotherhood is to be committed. We have to be committed to something that's greater than us. I mean, oh, that's what church work is. That's what the vision is. When you come in and say, Lord, I accept you, then he says, okay, I, I thank, I, I'm thankful you accepted me, but I need you to see that there's a greater cause than your life. There's something bigger than you. There's something that I need you to do for me now. He says, I need you to be honest. I need you to be accepting. But more than anything, I need you to be committed. That goes back to carrying your cross, taking up your cross, denying yourself. We need to be committed to the work. You know, one of the things that I think about, um, and this is always an ongoing thing, always. I don't think there's ever a time, unfortunately, that there's not some people who are, who are lacking commitment. And there's, it seems like no matter how small or big the church is, there's always people who are, are kind of out. They're in a lot, and then, and then they're out. And, and you might have been in, and you might have been out. I don't know where you're at tonight. But I can tell you as a pastor of this church for the last 11 years, it's always the case. There's always somebody who's hanging out. When I see that, I mean, I mean they're, they're, they're having some kind of moral failure or they're, or they're failing in their own eyes or they're just lacking commitment. And then, well, I need to sit down. I need to stop being in the ministry. I need to do this. I need to do that. And I know exactly what's going to happen when they do that. And, and, hey, I'm thankful that they're honest, but I'd be honest back with them. And tell them, if you don't be careful, watch this, I want you to pay attention to this. If you don't be careful, you will lack commitment, or sorry, you will be committed only when you're doing right. Why is it that when we're doing wrong, we lack commitment? Why do you think we expect so much of commitment? Why do you think we, we are so uh, exigente? I don't know how to say that in English. Uh, what's that? Help me, somebody. Exigente. Where's Carla when I need her? Kristen? Huh? Exigent, what? Yeah, persistent, that'll work. Or so expecting, yeah, persistence, good. Why do you think we're so like that? Because once you start to, to, to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to sit down for a little while and I'm not going to serve. You know what you're doing when you say that? You're putting one foot out the door. And then all of a sudden, we have a dress code here. And when I say dress code, I don't mean that you can, you can dress any way you want. But when you're in leadership, we have some, some, some qualifications. And then it's funny to me that all of a sudden, when somebody isn't, isn't serving anymore, they don't dress that way anymore. So you're, I always tell the people, you're, you're, the way you dress has to do with your attitude. And then, and then another thing that's interesting on this point here about commitment is, is that for some reason, when you're not serving, you don't need to pray. When you're serving, you go to the prayer room. But if you're like in a funk or, or you're or tired or you come in from work late or whatever, I don't need to pray tonight because I only pray when I'm committed. Come on. It's the truth. But I watch those things, and, and those are things that I thank God for in my life that my pastor and my pastors have, ex, have been persistent in my life on. Of going to the altar. All y'all know the story how many that I've told. Man, I haven't told it for a long time about Pastor Jones. When I first came into this fellowship, and I was way in the back of the home church, and he gave a message. 
and, and an altar call. And, and that particular message, I honestly did not feel like that particular message was like speaking directly to something that had happened in my life. And so I stayed back there, and I was praying, and I was standing there and watching, and he, he, he called me out in front of the whole entire church and said, Blake, you don't need to respond to the altar. I've never done that to any of you, but it's been done to me. I didn't say I haven't wanted to, but I've never done it. But you know what that did for me because I have a teachable heart? I've always responded to the altar call now, and I thank God for that because whether or not I'm, I'm needing that message, needing that message because we always need them, I go down to that altar, and it helps, helps me stay consistent. That, that, that one, just, just that somebody watching over you, teaching you things. I remember another time I learned one time I, I was going up on the stage to, to, to do the offering, I believe, or pray. One of those two things at the home church. And back a few years ago, we used to be on stage in front of everybody. And, and so Pastor Marshall, I, we, the offering happened. And I had gotten, honestly, had, this is an honest mistake. I had gotten called up there last minute. And I was ready to pray or whatever I was doing, but I didn't have any money on me. And, and so I didn't put anything in the offering. And Pastor Marshall taught me something. And listen, I want all, the, all you guys in here, I want all you guys to realize the stuff I'm trying to teach you is going to last if you'll pay attention. It'll last a long time if you'll pay attention because I have been discipled and I want to disciple. But there's little things that, that can I do this on Wednesday night? There's little things. Sometimes you think, man, you're so picky on certain things. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things. It's not the big things. It's the little things. And those little things mean something. Pastor Marshall said, whenever you're up on this stage and, 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 you're gonna, and, and you're, people are watching you, you got to give something. you got to give something because people are watching you. And ever since, that's why my dad always talks about that, why he always gives something, because people are watching you. And even if you give online or whatever, it's not hypocritical. You do things. Sometimes I don't feel like raising my hands. Sometimes I don't feel like lifting my hands up. I just, and God's not going to love me any less, but I lift my hands because people are watching me. Men in here, I'm going to speak to you mostly. Leaders that want to be leaders, you got to lift your hands because people are watching you you got to lift your hands every once in a while because people are watching you. Men are watching men. Women are watching women. You have to learn. How, how are they going to learn if they don't see it? So, so these are important things because when, I'm not, when, I, I, when I realize that there's a, a commitment there and, a, and, and, a, and a, something that's bigger than me, I realize that I might not feel like it, but Jesus didn't feel like it the day he went to the cross either. But I'm really thankful he committed all the way. All the way to the end. Amen. Four. One, two, three, four. There's going to be five. Financial commitment. We talk about that all the time. Just be thankful you're not Jehovah's Witness or Mormon tonight. Just be thankful. You think that, you think that we're, we're exigente? I got to get that word, man. I should have had that word. You think we're persistent on taking up offerings and, and, and saying let's be faithful with our tithes and offerings? Did you know that, I don't know if it's one or both, did you know they go to the house at the end of the year? And actually at the beginning of the year, you have to sign a contract of how much you make. They know what you're, they get your bank account. They know how much you make. 
And you have to commit to tithing 10%. And at the end of the year, they show up on your door on the 31st of, the, of December, and they knock and say, hey, so-and-so, how you doing? We're so thankful you're part of the church. If you want to continue to be part of the church, you've given $2,000 this year, and your, your, your statement shows that you've made $4,000. You owe $2,000. So pay up today, or you can't be a member next year. Demanding. Thank you. Demanding. Thank you. They gave me that word. Exigente. Isn't that crazy? Well, we don't do that. We just tell you about what the Bible says, and then that's on you. But these are areas in our lives that being part of a group brings a benefit. And the last one is loyalty. Loyalty. Teaching loyalty. Teaching to be loyal to the things of God. How can I be loyal to God if I can't be loyal to my group? Right? So there's a loyalty that God expects of us in our lives. And, and that, that spirit of saying, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to put you first. I'm going to make sure that, that Sundays and Wednesdays and church times and church activities are number one in my life. And I'm not going to allow little things to happen. When, when family comes over and, from out of town and they show up, you tell them, we go to church. If you want to stay in this house, you got to go to church with us. And if you don't want to go to church with that's fine, but we're going, we're not going to stay home with you. Right? I mean, those are the things that are, that are loyalty to the, to the kingdom of God. Let's finish with one verse, Colossians 3.15. And the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And watch this. Be thankful. I mean, no, an attitude of gratitude goes a long way long ways. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Father, thank you for everybody who came on this rainy night tonight. God, I thank you for personally for this group that I'm a part of, not only here in Denton, Texas, but around the world. I thank you that I'm part of something that's greater than me. I thank you that I'm part of something that increases my potential, allows me to have strong relationships and friendships Thank you for allowing me to be a part of something that gives me the opportunity to go beyond Denton, beyond Texas, beyond the borders of the United States, and go around the world tonight. Lord, I ask you tonight to help me to appreciate the value of the group that you've put in my life. Father, help me to continue to lead. Help me to continue to grow. Help me to continue to to be strong in the areas of my life, Lord, that, that I might be weak in. Areas in my life that I might be struggling in. Lord, speak to me. Speak, speak truth to me, Father. Grow me in every area of my life, Lord. And when I make mistakes and when I fail, thank you for your mercy and your grace to forgive me and to pick me up and to put me back on track. Thank you for being part of a group that helps me stay on track tonight, God. Father, I ask tonight that your word would come alive in us. Lord, I pray that every area of our lives that that struggles every area of our life that allows lord those little things to come in and spoil the vine lord help me see those things in my own life attitudes character things lord monotony lord all those things that the the enemy would try to attack and he, he comes in like an angel of light he comes in in the small areas and i pray for those areas that you'd help me be strong in them tonight god 
Lord, I ask you tonight to speak to every heart that's here. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, all over this place, you know this is a place where we believe that Jesus can save anybody at any time in any situation. If you're here tonight, how many all over this place would say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I don't know where I'd spend eternity if I passed into eternity tonight. I don't know where I'd go. If you want to know for sure, the Bible says you can be sure tonight. Jesus paid the price of your sin. If you want Jesus to come into your life, just lift your hand and say, would you, would you pray for me tonight? I need Jesus. Amen. I see your hand. God bless you. How many more? I need Jesus. I know that tonight I might be a good person. I might even say I believe in God. I know he's real. I know he's there, but, but do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? He loves you. He loves you more than you'll ever, ever understand. He loves you more than you'll ever comprehend. And he loves you even in your sin. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What a blessing. What a miracle of grace. How many more would say, Pastor, pray for me tonight? I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I want Jesus to come in and reign and rule. I want to know that I'm saved tonight. Amen. God sees your hand. Maybe you're here tonight and at some point in your life, maybe you were in Sunday school, maybe your grandparents took you to church. At some point, you, you said a prayer of salvation and tonight you know He's real and you believe in Him, but you're not living for Him. Your life doesn't line up with the Word of God, His commandments, His expectations. And we know that none of us can really meet His expectations, but are we trying? If you're, if you're here and you're saying, man, I've just been running. I want to come home tonight. Would you lift your hand and say, that's me. I need to come back to the Lord. Amen. God bless you. I see your hand. I need to come back to the Lord tonight. I want to make things right with God tonight. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Staying in reverence to the Lord, please, because the Holy Spirit is working on hearts tonight. Oh, Lord, we thank you tonight for your presence. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your joy. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your forgiveness tonight, Jesus. As you're standing there, would you just begin to thank God tonight for how good he's been to you? Would you just begin to thank him for his salvation? Would you just begin to worship him in your own words? Begin to thank him that, that, that he forgave you when you weren't forgivable, that he loved you when you weren't lovable, that he reached out to you and nobody else would reach out to you. That he gave you hope when there was no hope for your life. Attitude of gratitude. Attitude of gratitude. That verse says being thankful. Being thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts in which you were called in one body. Tonight, I don't want to embarrass you, but I want to give you an opportunity to make a stand for Jesus. There's people who have different beliefs on on this part of the service, but I believe that if you if you can't stand for Jesus in a church service, it's going to be hard to do it outside with unbelievers. If you raised your hand tonight and you meant that and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, I want to ask you to simply step out of your seat to the nearest aisle and I want you to come down to this altar and I want to pray for you tonight. Several hands went up. I'm going to give just a moment for you to come and we're going to pray for you tonight. Amen. Let's give them a hand as they come tonight. 
Amen. Just stay looking towards me. Praise God. Come on, church. This is what it's all about. It's what it's all about. Amen. Praise God. Someone will come stand behind her, make sure she feels that she's got family behind her. Amen. Praise God. Let's all say this prayer together tonight. You know, it's a simple prayer because Jesus did everything. And then the work starts after where we begin to try to line up our life with what he did for us. Let's say this. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for dying for me while I was still a sinner, for accepting me as I am. Jesus, I believe with all my heart and my mouth that you died on the cross for my sins, that you came down from heaven as God and lived in a man's body to be a sacrifice for me. Jesus, I need salvation tonight. I believe you're the only way to heaven. Jesus, please forgive me for all my shortcomings, my sins, my failures. Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead and conquered death so that when I die, I can go to your presence and spend eternity with you. Please tonight, Jesus, wash me clean in your precious blood and write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big praise tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for these wonderful people making a decision tonight, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's, let's open up the altars tonight as we begin to sing a song tonight. Where, 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 where are you at in your thankfulness for, for the group?